Welcome to the Secret Lair Drive-In with your hosts, D-Dub and Stratosphere. The Secret Lair Drive-In is dedicated to bringing you the finest in B-movie entertainment news and reviews. And now, on with the show. Now, Giant Entertainment, Giant Terror, The War of the Gargantuan, and Monster Zero. Do you see anything? From a planet 50 million miles beyond the stars came a strange message. Lend us your Rodan and Godzilla to fight our Monster Zero. Earth answered. And the most dreaded creatures ever to walk our planet are lifted into outer space. The stage is set for the mightiest battle ever seen by the universe in Monster Zero. What started out as a call for help from space turns into a nightmare of terror on Earth, Monster Zero, and the War of the Gargantua. It began with a mysterious, wild storm at sea, and before the night was over, the whole world would hear of the terror of the Gargantuans. Where had such a monster come from? What forces created such a devastating destroyer? Who or what could stand up to it? Let him have it! Armies fought the monster with million-volt laser beams. Hey, look! Another one! You'll see all of their terrifying battle to the death when you come to the greatest monster movies ever made. The War of the Gantuas and Monster Zero. Lights out. And now the movies, folks. Well, welcome to yet another episode, number 22, I do believe, of the Secret Lair Drive-In. I am your host, your fearless leader, D-Dub, and across the Wayback Machine for me is my faithful acolyte and co-host, Stratosphere. Hi, kids. Okay, real quick, before we get started on tonight's film, uh, just a couple of things. If, I if want you're to listening to this at night, if you're listening to it during the day, we do apologize. Well, it's early evening as we're recording. Yes. There are two little bits that I want to go over. I just want to give a real quick shout out to my daughter. Okay. She's currently in Florida. She's um, she's on an internship with Disney. 
Uh, she's in line for a couple of different, uh, a professional internship as well as a management internship. Now, are these paid or? Oh, they're paid. Oh, okay. Yep. Um, and she's really hoping to hook on with uh, them pretty much full time eventually. Okay. But, you know, just wanted to know I'm really proud of her and that we miss her. As we all are. Okay. And the other little bit, uh, I actually had a phone call from somebody the other day, and we were just talking, and I uh, got a phone call from a friend, and as we are talking, he said, he asked me why we na- why I changed the name of the podcast. Well, well, dear listeners, I'm going to let you in right now. Uh, I got to be quite honest. If I tried to keep it up with the format where I'm doing the interviews and it was Darkwind's Secret Lair, probably would have got burned out real quick on it. And the more I thought about it, I did not want to in any way, shape, or form diminish the contributions of my co-host because he brings so much to the table. Oh, well, thank you. And so this way, I wanted to keep the secret lair part in there. And the secret lair drive-in just kind of worked. And, you know, I don't have any ego, so my name doesn't have to be up front or anything like that. And uh, like I said, you know. I just felt it was time, and I probably would have been burned out and walked away if uh, the man across across the table from me hadn't uh, joined up with me and started. So, well, I appreciate that, and really, I, I've been thinking about along those lines too. And really, this this is us, sort of. Uh, I won't say vicariously, but in our own small way, uh, living the dream that we've talked about since we were kids. Is we we always wanted to be DJs, and. Uh, you know, failing actual uh, broadcast uh, uh, radio station, uh, the Internet's just as good as far as I'm concerned. So as far as I'm concerned, folks, we're living the dream, and you get to share it with us. Yipper, and thank you all for coming along in this ride with us. But it ain't over, so keep your hands and feet inside the ride at all times. And enjoy the rest of your day here at the Secret Lair. The Amazement Park. That's right. Okay, so now... Our movie for this week is... Well, it actually has a number of different names. The one that we've been teasing uh, is uh, Monster Zero. Right. Now, in the international release, uh, that would be... Invasion of Astro Monster. Yeah, but the funny thing, the Japanese title was something completely different as well. Yeah, it was uh, The Great Monster War. So that's why I said, you know, okay, this goes by several different names. The, The one that most American audiences are familiar with is probably Monster Zero. Yeah, and one very unusual thing about this, as opposed to a lot of the other Toho films, it was actually a joint production between an American company and Toho. Okay. That's that's why the Japanese version and the the, uh, quote-unquote American version are so similar. Now, that's that's the American International uh, Studios, I believe? That would be the one. Yeah. I can't remember if Saperstein was involved in this one or not. Yes. Uh, well, actually, um, UPA. That's that's what I was thinking. Okay, I thought it was American International. It's slightly different. Well, American International, you do see them show up on quite a few of them. I always remember American International. That, that's the logo they show at the beginning of Johnny Sacco every, uh, every, oh, every, every episode. Oh, yeah, that's right. Okay. But, um, but, you know, the best place to start on one of these is The, the Plot. plot. Okay. Now, this takes place in the late 60s. We've got a two-man spacecraft crewed by a Japanese and American uh, Fuji. Let's see. Fuji and Glenn. 
Yes, Fuji and Glenn. Um, they're approaching Jupiter's orbit, orbit to explore the newly discovered Planet X. Which, if memory serves, is on the far side of Jupiter, which is why nobody ever saw it. Yeah, but 60s technology being what it is. Okay, they've got just enough uh, light to make it possible to figure out what's on the surface of the planet when they get there. After landing and disembarking, one of the astronauts and the ship vanishes, leaving the other to wonder where they've gone. Yeah, this is after kind of a cool scene where they kind of disembark. And even though it's all shot in miniature, they have this little elevator that goes down. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Completely impractical for any sort of uh, space travel, but a very cool effect. Yeah, and it's funny because I'm watching that, and, you know, so much of this stuff is is done in miniature. I really thought it was kind of convincing that it didn't it didn't i didn't see the miniature it it looked like almost a full-scale thing so i I thought that was rather well done it was very well done anyway a voice comes over the comm link and instructs the lone remaining astronaut to go down into the subterranean corridors to the office of the controller of planet x where he finds his shipmate now this is after he's he's um running around because you know he goes out plants a flag looks around a little bit, comes back, the ship is gone. Imagine being that far from from home, come back, and your ride's gone. Dude, where's my ship? <laughs> yeah, it's like, you know, if I can't find my car in a mall, par- mall parking lot, I freak out, you know? Imagine how loud the, the alarm would be on that. Oh, jeez. <laughs> well, you know, the um, the guy that did Fuji... AAA don't come that far. <laughs> Sorry. You know the guy that did uh, the dubbed Fuji's voice. His name was Marvin Miller. Okay. He also did the voice of Robbie the robot. Oh, okay. He did a lot of stuff with the uh, with the dubs on these. All right. And uh, I just yeah, thought but, I'd throw that out. There. While you're talking about dubs, before I forget, one one thing that's very interesting about this. Hey, they don't call me D Dub for nothing. Ah, I see what you did there. Yeah. Anyway. Um, it's interesting that because it's the joint venture between the American and the Japanese, it's really weird because the American actor is basically speaking his lines completely in English. He's not dubbed at all, but everybody else is speaking their lines in Japanese dubbed into English. Right. Well, we saw we saw a little bit of that with Russ Tamlin in War of the Gargantuas. Exactly. Now, what's re- what was really disconcerting, both in the Gargantuas movie and Monster Zero, the uh, Japanese versions of both, uh, Nick Adams, who plays Glenn, okay, he does all his lines in English, but in the Japanese version, they dub him. Well, they would have to. So it's either way, you're... But it, can you just imagine, like, filming that? It's like... Hey guys, let's go to the spaceship. So be what's in? You know, it's like that that had to have you been rat, you dirty rat. You know, it's it's just that had to be really weird filming that. Oh, and uh now something we just talked about off mic, and I don't I don't want to save this for later. It's interesting you mentioned that War of the Gargantuas was the other one that had that because wasn't this on a double bill with that? Yes it was, and I I have to find that poster. Yes, War the, the Gargantuas and Monster Zero. It was it was released to the drive-ins and the theaters as a double, double feature. feature, and some, a very interesting link between the two. Aside from the fact that it was um, directed by the same guy, Ishiro Honda, and both of them did have American actors, the female lead in 
both films was played by the lovely Kumi Mizuno. Oh, she's the same girl from um, she's the same from girl Gargantuas? from Gargantuas. No kidding. Um, she's actually a, a favorite of Honda's. Okay. And now in in Monster Zero, is she the alien chick or the the, the little? She's the alien chick. Okay. Um, she also was in God or Godzilla vs. Sea Monster, and she was also in Matango. Oh, Attack, Attack of the, the Mushroom, Mushroom People. people. Yes. Nice. Damn, now I, now I have to go back and see these. I did not realize that was the same girl. That's oh, awesome. yeah. That's awesome. She's very cute. Yes, she is. Quite comely. Um, okay. So anyway, he finds his shipmate uh, down in the corridors. The, their spacecraft is safe. The controller assures them and indicates that their location is about to be attacked. The astronauts recognize the attacking monster is King Ghidorah. Oh, yeah. Everybody recognizes the king. Oh, yeah. Uh, no, no disrespect to the big G, but, you know, King Ghidra always going to be my favorite. I, uh, a quick shout-out to uh, my wife and daughter, because that was their, their big gift to me this Christmas. They actually ordered online and got me, like, about a 10-inch a tall uh, King Ghidra figurine. So that, that takes a big place of pride on, on my shelf. You know, what I, you know what I would love to see? All right, take just this movie. The mind boggles, but go ahead. <laughs> What I'd love to see, as as Gideon makes his appearance in here, yeah, have him start playing CC Rider. Da 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 da. It would fit, you know, him flying in like when Elvis used to come in. Oh, okay. Well, or or you could put in um, what the also Sprock Zarathustra, the the thing from um, 2010 they used to play when El, like they they start off with that. Yeah, they start off with that, but then everybody knows when they go into CC Rider. Yeah. I don't think I don't think Gita could uh, get on the one knee like Elvis did. <laughs> no, but then as he's flying away, he can go. Elvis has left the building. King Gita has just left Planet X. I like it. Anyway, where were we? Oh Let, yes, let's get this train back on track. That's right. The astronauts lose con- contact with the controller, but as- afterwards they are assured that Gita, known as to the, well, it says Exians here. As I guess that's. They never actually call them that by name, but the, the let's just say the aliens. Yeah. Because uh, Exians has too many implications for me, and I'll, I'll get into that later. Well, the um, the controller and his posse. Yeah. The, guy, the guys with the shades and the funny costumes. Um, and that's not the government either. The controller asks for Earth's help. They want to capture Godzilla and Rodan, known to the aliens as Monster Zero One and Monster Zero Two. In return, Planet X will gift humanity with a wonder drug that can cure all diseases. Which I should mention in the original Japanese dub, it was merely a wonder drug to cure all cancer, not all diseases. That's, that's correct. So, the astronauts agree to return home with the proposal. As they lift off, they say on the radio to the controller, We're glad we found friends on Planet X. Yeah, because that always worked out so well for the. Well, and and after they take off, you know, it's it's so cliche because they zoom in on the controller, and he he does like such a cliched evil laugh. It's it, it, you, <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. Of course, it, it it comes across as silly. It's not chilling like uh, the evil laugh of uh, Alien Baltron in Ultraman. Do you ever see that? That's the thing that looks kind of like a big lobster, and it does this. I. 
I haven't really worked my way through too far in the Ultraman set yet. Oh, okay. That that freaked me out when I was a kid. But anyway, meanwhile, Fuji's sister's boyfriend Tetsuo, Tetsuo Terry, I think is his name. It sounds about right. Okay, has invented a personal alarm he thinks women could use if they're attacked. It creates it creates an extremely loud noise that can be heard for a long distance. That's right. He sets it off in his apartment and his landlady's screaming. Who, who has a Brooklyn accent, which I freaking love. <laughs> Tatsuo! It's like she sounds like she's from Jersey or something. It's awesome. Yeah, and he's like, I don't know why anybody doesn't want my good idea here. Yeah, I remember that. That was a good line. Um, eventually, a Miss Namakawa, the aforementioned cute girl... Kumi Mizuno. Okay. Yowza. Makes an offer to buy the alarm as an educational device. <laughs> what could you learn from it? That noise sucks. You learned not to set it off in yeah. the middle of a classroom. Yeah, you learned to take the batteries out, first of all. <laughs> you know, that reminds me, my uh, my brother's son, for like his uh, third or fourth birthday, Okay, we got him this electronic trumpet. Oh, my. Yeah, we made sure he had batteries. He had, on his birthday, he had the thing for half an hour before my brother took it away from him and said, I've had enough of that effing thing. And, and I know how, lo- how loud your brother was when he was a kid, so that's, that's irony in its purest form, I'd say. <laughs> anyway, uh, sh- although she offers to buy this alarm, she keeps putting Tetsuo off on completing the deal. In truth, her boss wants the device and the plans destroyed. Now, Fuji and Glenn tell their superiors about the offer from Planet X. Scientists begin searching for Godzilla and Rodan. Now, this is a point I didn't wasn't quite clear to me. Why do they need permission from the humans to get Godzilla and Rodan? Why why couldn't they just go get them? I don't know. I, I mean, I I know we do, we always say yeah we're not going to overanalyze this too much, but I. It, yeah, it was just sort of like, okay, why can't they just go in and get it? It does it It doesn't make it didn't make any sense to me either. Okay, I thought it was, I, I mean, thought there was something I missed. Especially in the upcoming scene where they actually find them and it turns out that they were on Earth the whole time. Or there were members of their crew on Earth because that ship rises up out of the water. Oh yeah, yeah. Okay. Well let's let's not get ahead of ourselves. Okay, so the controller of Planet X suddenly makes an appearance on Earth, and both Glenn, who is dating Miss Namakawa, and Fuji both become suspicious of Planet X. The controller apologizes for his unannounced presence and offers to help locate the two monsters. Two Planet X spacecraft rapidly deploy to capture the two monsters. Yep, they pull them up out of the water and put them in a bubble. Yeah, and, and you won't see Godzilla in that position again until, uh, what was that, Smog well, Monster? Yeah, Smog. Yeah, that's how he, he like, flies with his tail and, basically wrapped up between his legs. And admit it, as you were watching that scene, you were thinking about it. Oh, you? absolutely. And if and if I hadn't, um, well, I, I saw this one years ago, so it didn't register with me. But have since we just wa- did, reviewed Smog Monster so relatively recently, first thing I thought was, oh, okay, that must be, like, the reused, uh, you know, they must have, like, a model, because these were obviously not guys in suits, they were miniatures. Uh, They must have a model that's him all wrapped up with his tail, literally between his legs. Yeah. And they're like, oh, okay, let's use this for that scene, too. And to make him fly, we'll just stick a fire extinguisher in his mouth. and. (laughs) There you go. 
Sody pop, watch it fizz. Anyway, so they're invited to accompany the controller back to Planet X, a trip that takes only a few hours. The controller says that soon they'll be able to travel at the speed of light. When they reach Planet X, there's an immediate... I just need my Illudium P-38 explosive space modulator, and then I will be able to... Where's the kaboom? There was supposed to be an earth-shattering kaboom. So they release uh, Godzilla and Rodan, and they manage to fight Ghidra. First really good sequence we've had in the whole thing. Yeah. Because they they, they showed Ghidra before, and he basically just kind of flies over the landscape and... You blasts know, a bunch of stuff. Blasts a bunch of stuff and then flies off. Gets so. bored and flies away. Yeah. But uh, when he throws down with uh, Big G and Rodan, that's some pretty good stuff, as always. Now, the controller is extremely happy. He presents the uh, astronauts. Hang on. You forgot something. What did I forget? What did he? What did Godzilla do after they won? Oh, no. The dance. Okay, folks. There's, there's almost no way to describe this other than to say he looks like he's doing the safety dance. <laughs> he, he basically jumps up and down, and he, he kind of holds one, one paw near his crotch and another over his head. And then he jumps up again and reverses positions of, of his paws. And, you know, there were, pro- there were promotional materials for this that had all of the main cast members I actually, doing I, that. Yeah, I they made some sort of a like a dance. It was like a dance craze for like two weeks in Japan. I think I saw something. It, it, it was that's where Godzilla got it from. It wasn't from Godzilla. It was from something else. Oh, okay. I don't remember what the dance is called, and I'm not curious enough to look it up. Yeah, I, I feel you on that one. Well, and, you know, and that's one of the things. Again, even when watching this as a seven year old. I'm like, what the hell is he doing? Godzilla's supposed to be, like, awesome, and he's sitting there, you know, jumping up and down like an idiot. Well, it was for, it was for the kids. I just, in my mind, I just put it off as, okay, lower gravity, maybe he can jump a little bit more. He, well, or, that is true, it being, yeah, if you, well, I think, doesn't he, not to get way too off track, but does he do the same thing in uh, Destroy All Monsters? Or, no, is it, or is no, it just in this movie? It's only in this movie he does, oh, okay. he does the dance. Yeah. The dance of happy. Oh God! And and the the difference that that I read in the Japanese version apparently there's no thud when he lands. Yeah, big, I heard big deal one way or another. Too. But uh, yeah, it, it, it's one of these things. Like I said, we're we're not really doing it justice in terms of pure absurdity. But uh, that that's a good way of, I guess, describing it to you. So oh yeah, okay. yeah, we would be remiss if we did not bring that up. Oh yeah. Yeah, we we would be having rabid fans. By the way, yet another shout-out to the Kyoga Kaiju Club. We're going to try and make it to the next meeting, guys. Promise. Isn't that, isn't that like the 19th or the 16th or something like that? I believe it's the 19th. So if if uh, we've got any any of the guys listening, uh, we're, we're going to try and make it this time. It was bad timing last, last month or last meeting, but we are going to try and make it. Back to the plot. He pres- the controller presents the astronauts with a box he says contains the formula for the miracle drug. He also gives the three men a duplicate, uh, an absolute duplicate of their well, uh, not spacecraft. Ab- not absolute. Well, they they actually say it works better than the original. Well, if yeah, I'm but, mistaken. But there were only there were only two seats in the original. Now they got three. 
Oh, man, I didn't even catch that. What is wrong with me? Well, they had that whole wonderful scene at the beginning of the movie where they're flying in space, and they have them where they're upside down, and like, what's wrong, Glenn? Why aren't we? Why aren't we right? Oh, let me turn the ship over. You're in space. Yeah. What does it matter? What's your point of reference? <laughs> yeah. Well, that's that's like on Star Trek, where all battles take place in basically a two-dimensional uh, playing field. Yeah. And and I don't think there. I, I, you can count the times they they actually thought in three dimensions in Star Trek battles over the entire franchise, like maybe on one hand. So they actually make a comment about that during Wrath of Khan. Uh, yeah, I think that's the only instance I can think of, literally off the top of my head, is just that one time in Wrath of Khan. Okay. Back home on Earth, the box is taken to a special meeting, and in it is found a reel-to-reel tape. Now, it is loaded to play, but when the speakers remain silent for a long time, some wonder if the systems are compatible. And I, of course, I, you know, I, if, we, if we were Mystery Science theatering this, it'd be like, has anybody got any batteries? The other thing about this, don't you think at some point during the trip home, because the trip home obviously took a little bit, right. somebody would have opened it and looked? Um, that would be a thought, too. Uh, oh, I know. The Exians put a sticker on it that says, do not open until Earth. <laughs> so after, after a bit of a silence, they hear a beep, and a voice says, I am the controller of Planet X. To the people of Earth, I command that you obey the following orders. And, of course, big... Big yattering from the crowd. Obey, obey. It is an ultimatum to surrender to Planet X or be destroyed by all three monsters. The Axians soon arrived and destroyed the uh, the Gift spacecraft. They also threatened to release uh, Ghidra, Godzilla, and Rodan. Overly confident, the Axians aliens show the world how they control the monsters through magnetic waves. The Earth scientists know they can exploit this information, which I, I immediately thought. You really? You told them how you control them. That that wasn't, you know, unintelligent at all. They were monologuing. Uh, okay. But anyway, the scientists work to find a way to disrupt the waves. Meanwhile, Earth's armies fight the three monsters with conventional weapons as they destroy much of Japan. I, any, I gotta call any kaiju movie a uh, success at least on one level because my that has my favorite effect of all is whenever they show. Like something made of metal melting. I don't okay. know why, but like they they have this ginormous radar dish. Oh yeah, yeah. and uh, I I believe God, Godzilla basically hits it with his atomic. Was it? Oh no no no! Wait, is it Godzilla that melts it, or is it the army that melts it? I'm I'm misremembering. It's, I believe it's the uh, Exeos. Okay, but yeah, they they kind of. Uh, hit it real good with whatever, and then it just slowly starts melting. That, well, you know, I, I've always thought that was like the coolest effect. That is pretty cool. Uh, they actually recycled quite a bit of footage in this one, or surprisingly, uh, uh, some of the road. I, I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have guessed it being recycled, but it definitely seemed like it was coming from similar places to other scenes. So that that doesn't surprise me in the least. Well, they uh, like some of the stuff would down would fly over, and you know the buildings would uh, go apart and all that. Yeah, well, yeah, I think that was probably the most blatant uh, thieving they did, or recycling, as you put it. So, okay, Tetsuo, as well, okay, they're destroying Japan, the monsters. 
Tetsuo is unhappy his device is not being used, and he is unable to get Miss Namakawa to tell him what's happening. He decides to follow her, but is captured by Planet X soldiers. Glenn eventually discovers Miss Namakawa is from Planet X, and all the women are virtually identical. A uh, whole planet full of women that all look like Kubi Mizuno? <laughs> I'm in. Yeah. Oh, of, course, of course, you know, when they show up wearing the same thing at the same event. Oh, this is awkward. <laughs> you know how they get. Anyway, fearing what he knows, the aliens arrest him and put him in the same cell as Tetsuo. However, this proves to be their undoing, along with other things, as he and Tetsuo begin to cooperate. Before she is disintegrated by a soldier, Namakawa gives Glenn a letter in which she told him the weakness of the people of Planet X. The sound from Tetsuo's alarm. Wow, how's that for a convenient plot point? How about the fact that they lock him up and don't search him? Well, how about the fact that they've got this entire j- jail c- You know, it's, there's obvious other jail cells. Why put him in the same cell with him? That was another kind of... Really? This seems this seems awfully convenient. Anyway, the alarm goes off. It paralyzes the Planet X soldiers, enabling Glenn and Tetsuo to escape. They reach the Space Center scientists and explain about the alarm. Arrangements are made to broadcast it on all radio and television stations, but only when the magnetic disruption devices are employed. And I believe that's the... Uh, that's the line I think they use on either, I think it's the Kaiju cast. They have... Uh, they oh, make it as loud as possible? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, I believe so. Because I was just listening to an episode of that this weekend, believe it or not. And uh, three monsters are no longer under Planet X control. As their spacecraft explodes, their crews try to escape the debilitating alarm noise. The invaders withdraw from Earth. Meanwhile, Godzilla, Rodan, attack Ghidra, forcing all three to fall into the sea. Now, here's where my version that I watched differed from the version that they have here. It says that Ghidra emerges and retreats to outer space, but Godzilla and Rodan never resurface. Now, the one I saw, nobody comes up. I I seem to recall Ghidra flying off. Well, oh, actually, I, I take it back. I actually have two versions. The one I downloaded quite a while back, and when I actually finished watching this the other day, um, I was watching it on Netflix, okay. and, and I believe the Netflix version basically ends with the sea bubbling and you know them basically staring at the the water, and that's that's kind of it. So, so I, I don't know what to say is the actual ending, but either way, Godzilla and Rodan never resurface, leading the humans to wonder whether King Ghidra defeated them. Glenn and Fuji are to be sent to Planet X again as ambassadors to seek peaceful relations. I don't know if they really get into that either. But. I, I know that they mentioned that Glenn's going to be an ambassador. I don't remember them saying anything about Fuji. I don't know. What, was was the con, was the controller and his minions like a, a, a rebel sect or something? Or why, why would you want peaceful relations with people that were basically going to attack you with big kaiju? Kind, kind of it, gets things off to a rocky start, I'd say. Monsters of mass destruction. I, I mean, it's just... Oh, I, yeah. That would be cool, though. Can you prove that there were monsters of mass destruction? It's all a hoax. Yeah, I don't. I don't know. I. It's not like they destroy all these people from Planet X, because I don't think there were any survivors, unless there uh, anybody that was still on Planet X, perhaps. Well, I was going to say there's got to be people still on Planet X because they they showed like two of the other women that look like Miss Namakawa or whatever her name is. Yeah. Um, but. 
I mean, that's basically it. So yeah, I I don't know. I don't know why. Just out of the blue, they destroy him. Oh, and by the way, you're our new ambassador. Just seems a little quick. Well, I don't know. Maybe it, it kind of smacked of okay. We've got this plot line just kind of dangling in the wind there. Let's just tie it in a nice little knot and hope it doesn't unravel. It's kind of how it came across to me because we we're are you kidding? We're out of money. <laughs> let's put this. Yeah, let's just finish this sucker and go from there. Yeah, basically. So you got okay. You have to take this pen away from me. Yes, I see you're uh, you're drawing King King Ghidorah, and as always, a fine quality job. Yeah, I was you're doodling th- during class again. Pretty much. If I if I don't if the, the the day I met him, folks, in seventh grade, this is this is how we hit it off because he was doodling comic books in in his notebook. So nothing has changed in, in thirty five years. Yeah, you see, here's the thing. If I would have, if I would have had him take the pen away from me, this whole thing would have been filled up, and I'd just only like be half listening. Yeah. <laughs> Come on, it wasn't. It, I actually liked it. I thought it was a good movie. Oh, it. Oh, it was a. Is definitely one of my my all time favorites. Yeah, like I said, plot holes aside, it's uh, my actually my my biggest complaint is that we we don't get enough uh, kaiju on kaiju ac- action. Yeah, well, really, there's only, what, three scenes? All right, you have got, King Ghidra at the beginning. That doesn't really count. Because he's just, he's just right. blasting up the terrain and blah, blah, blah. Uh, I mean, uh, taking him off planet, you can't really count that. Yeah. He had the fight on Planet X, then the attack on Earth. Uh, everybody gets freed by the magnetic rays, and then... The big fight, they go underwater, and, yeah. and that's it. So, so it's... It, it's frustrating because, you know, you always want, and, and really that that's the best part of any of these movies is when when they're they're going and wailing on each other just to see what moves they come up with, you know. That's why, oh, yeah. you know, we, we talked about this back when we reviewed it. GMK is one of the best ones ever because they, they really fight each other. I mean, they look like they want to kill each other. So oh, it's, yeah. It's really cool. Okay. Any other thoughts you want to drop in there? I went through all the stuff on my list. Um, that's basically I, I kind of added it in as we went. So uh, I would say that's probably all I have to say about it. Um, how okay. We, how, how are we going to rate this one? You think? Uh, I'm not going to go craptacular. I'm going to go craptastic on this one. I will agree with you. Uh, it's it's a it's a fine family fun. Definitely. Uh, I would say, uh, you know, I, I, I classify certain kaiju movies as starter films. You know, if you wanted to introduce somebody to yeah. the whole phenomenon, I would say this barely falls into that, that starter category. Like, oh, Yeah, you'd have to have a, I think you'd have to have a little bit of knowledge or background with it. If, if not the first movie you introduce someone to the phenomenon of uh, kaiju and daikaiju, I would say this should definitely be second or third on your list. Yeah, once they've already got their little uh, feet wet. Right. Okay, so for next time we are doing... Them. That's right. And the movie we're doing after them, guess what, folks? We're not going to let you go. We're not going to let you know. And why? Because that is our one-year anniversary show. Amazing! We've been doing this for a year, and it—I it, tell you, this is 
this is what's gotten me through this year. Right, right, <laughs> right back at you. This, uh, I, if you'd have told me a year and a half ago, I'd, I'd be doing something like this. I'd, I'd have literally looked at you like you were on fire or something like that. But uh, like I suddenly grew a third eye in the middle of my head. Exactly. Uh, but yeah, but for our one year anniversary, we do have something special lined up. Uh, go on to our Facebook group. And there's a list of the films that we have reviewed over the last year. And we we have had a couple votes already. They're, right. they're not necessarily what we would like, but we want to make you part of this. So That's right. please vote, please vote, please vote. Yep. Vote for your top three on there. Uh, winners will get voted into the Hall of Fame. And a random emailer will get a copy of the film that is getting inducted into our Hall of Shame. That That's right. As bad as these films are, there are ones that even we think are beyond redemption. So uh, you will be getting a copy of one to share with your friends and family. That's right. And if they want to get a hold of us to email us their votes, they can reach they, a, they can reach us at secretlayerpodcast at gmail.com. And they can see us on the web at secretlayerpodcast.blogspot.com. That's right. And currently you can... You can listen to us on Podbean. Look for Secret Lair Drive-In. And I believe it's secretlairdrivein.podbean.com. I believe that's how, how, they, uh, how they roll over that's there. That's right. We are back on iTunes. Hopefully we'll get some of the old classic episodes up as well after I re-edit them into the new format. Yes, we're, we're trying, trying well, with, uh, with our sister podcast, Geeks Explain It All, we're also trying, we're... Very close to getting that back on iTunes. A uh, couple, couple little bugs to work out, but we. Uh, by the way, uh, very much excited to be a part of the uh, Podbean family. If anybody there is uh, uh, turned on to us uh, through there, uh, very, very fun working with that format and with that uh, particular website. Yeah, uh, it certainly makes things a lot easier when they have the streaming player right there, doesn't it? They're they're very user friendly. I mean, yeah, we we paid for the premium. But that's because you know the, the files tend to be on the big side. But I tell you, it, it walks you through. If you're looking to uh, get into podcasting and maybe even be a part of the Geeks Explain It All network, uh, we I, I can highly recommend Podbean. Oh. Well, until next time, this is D Dub and Stratosphere saying, "Go watch a B movie and why? Because these movies, try as we might, just won't watch themselves." Later, folks. Bye, kids. Gee, that was a swell movie. Please remember to replace the speaker on the post when you leave the theater.